0: Hello, welcome to Smileys. Tonight, we're doing our part two of our discussion of Forge of Darkness, book one of Karkana's trilogy. As you may know, this discussion is going to be spoilers all, that includes both Harkana's books, which I know kind of defeats the purpose, but we'll get to that. I'm joined by Mora. Hello, Mora.
1: Hey, Lee. How are you?
0: I'm uh, pretty good, still. How about you?
1: Uh, I'm a little tired because we just finished summarizing both the chapters, but let's continue. (laughs)
0: Sure. So, how have you thought? Was uh, what did you think of the book thus far?
1: It's uh, I, I can see why we chose to reread this book specifically mm-hmm. at this pace because honestly, every line is like dripping with it. It's it's so uh, I don't know how to <coughs> call it. There's there are no fillers. There's absolutely no fillers. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: I I'm just enjoying it. I'm just enjoying reading each line slowly, repeatedly, then making the summary, and then you know coming prepared it's it's a lot of fun i don't know it's such a weird thing but it is fun so how how about you
0: um so i read forge of darkness the first few chapters and i went holy shit and then i reread them for the summary and then i reread them again at my leisure so like i've read like these first two chapters like three times so if that's any indication to how i feel about the book um god damn <laughs> I mean, I know Fall of Light* is going to get more like philosophical and more deep and shit, but holy god! Yeah. So.
1: No. Yeah. Um...
0: I have one thing to say before we get into yeah. all the deeper things, which I didn't comment on in the non-spoiler discussion because I didn't want to spoil anything. But when I first read *Forge of Darkness*, and I think the same is true of basically anyone that touched the book, when I saw the title, I thought *The Forge of Darkness* was going to be about Dragonfire, and it isn't.
1: Oh, oh, I did not... Oh, I didn't think that much. No, it, no. It,
0: says, it says on the blurb, like, uh, at the very end, here begins an epic tale of bitter family feuds, of jealousies and betrayals, of wild magic and unfettered power, and the forging and... of a sword. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's what he <laughs> means. And then he didn't. No. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: no, uh, I... Because Forge of Darkness, Fall of Light, I just thought here is where we see the Andy, I mean, that's what ultimately happened. So I don't know how much mm-hmm. of it is me retconning it, Coniguit, but I, I did not think of Dragnipur. And and I, I never read these things. I never read the back of the book. I, I don't read maps. I don't read the dramatists. It's, you know, you just start off. <laughs> so, um, there will be peace, right?
0: There will be peace.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but uh, you mentioned this in the episode that Considering mm-hmm. that this is Draconis, <clears throat> whether it's a threat or a promise, you're leaning towards. Yeah, it, could be both. it being a
0: threat, right? It it huh. could be both. It could be a prom- yeah. a threat of a, a promise of violence and the threat of violence at the same time, right?
1: Or or, or it could be Galan just making up something. Maybe with the real words just say, "I was here," or
0: <laughs> I shagged on a Signed Draconis. <laughs> Maybe
1: yeah. So just Galan coming up with there will be peace, right? If he's real, please. If I, I he's can't real. believe that you're not bringing it up like every every no, time no, Galan's name no, no, no. comes no, no. up.
0: No? No, no? I'm not going to because yeah. um either we're going to like bring it up more in the future or we're not gonna bring it up at all because Galan does appear quite a bit well, his name appears quite a bit in um both Korkana's books. So I think it's a bit of a moot point to say, oh yeah, well, especially when Steve said it's not what he thought. So I think it's a bit pointless to bring up. So, <laughs> but if it is adequate, I might bring it up for other characters, possibly
1: mm-hmm. You know, P and D. Yeah, and Renard. I don't think I like set their names in forever. I just call them P and D. Yeah, it's it's too hard to remember. Okay, so uh, when we begin, how is the society the Tithes? Sorry, how is the Tight society doing? Is it war time? Is it peace time? <laughs> yeah. so, and,
0: uh, funny that you bring this up because I give it a bit of thought and I guess officially the realm of Coral galleon is a monarchy ruled by the Taist once known as something, now going by the name Mother Dark in effect it has become a theocracy right? Mother Dark is mo- as much if not more a religious figure as much as a, you know, a political one. And the ruling class, the high ruling class, are people like Andes Ceylon, who is an acolyte, admittedly, or Sintara, who is a high priestess, or Emerald Lanier, who is also a high priestess, or Cedarpool, or, you know, priests, clergy. And then we have, like, the sheikh monasteries, which are also religious in nature, and so on and so forth. And so, for all their assertions otherwise, curled Gallen is a very polarized religiously realm and it's a very religiously intolerant one, say the deniers. Which for one, they're called the deniers, which is a fucking incredibly pretentious term, almost as pretentious as Dog Runner.
1: How how is it pretentious? What do you mean?
0: Because they deny the power of Mother Dark and instead embrace the old faith. And so they're So deniers. why should
1: they be defined by, you know, by a negative definition? It's they're just being who they are. These are the exactly. people who have changed. Yeah, I mean, it's That's just why biased. it's pretentious
0: to In... call them deniers.
1: It's biased. It's <laughs> like,
0: like b- before Mother <laughs> Dark came along, every ties was a denier. <laughs> I'm
1: it's... not kidding. No, no, but the, the term "denier," it's like these are the guys who have accepted her, right? So it's it's whatever. Yeah.
0: And so yeah, it among being a theocracy, it also has a very um, clear class divide. You know, have holds. Greater houses, lesser houses, the plebs. Um it's we need look no further than what Sakander says in chapter one, right, about how the dice feel about all of this. Yeah. About natural justice and how it is superior to the that of the Forwican. At least the Forwicken had something to believe in and die in. At least if they had one thing going for them, they had actual conviction and actual uh, ideals, horrible ideals, yes, but they had principles, which is not something you can say about many dice. Um, yeah. obviously, the theme of civilization is going to be brought up like a lot. So, do you want to talk about that
1: about civilization
0: and how yeah, I mean, how we are introduced to dice civilization in this particular book?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, underneath all the things which we are which we are talking about. Can I just say that most of it went over my head when I read it the first time? Oh, yeah. That this this whole thing is built upon an imminent civil war and I did not notice it. It's like from page one, everything is being set up for a war. And I I don't know. I think till things really heated up, I seriously did not notice that, oh, this is what is happening. I mean, even here, the whole hish, uh, shall I approach her thing uh, by Rake. I, yeah, it, it's so obvious. It's so... You know, the defining feature of the Thais right now is this pre-war preparations, isn't it? That went over my head. And, and I feel I feel really dumb now because it's like every other line is still preparing for war. And uh, yeah, uh, the, uh, yeah, about civilization. Yeah, as you say, I think even the, which we've seen quite a bit, this is the civilization which is in the decay phase right now because they are sort of running out of resources. And we've not even come to the threat of the wit, the sea of at the next level. That is a different thing. But right now, even within their resources, they're sort of running out of running. Out, they're going on. You know, so many beasts are already being extinct, and the woods are being chopped down. And I, I don't think overpopulation has been mentioned yet, but it's the other. I don't know the downfall of civilization is where we are seeing them right now. And on top mm-hmm. of all, they're you know, they're man-made or thiest-made. Mm-hmm. Civil Wars and all those are uh, It's a it's come as you say, I think the best word to describe the Thai society right now is awful. Yeah, I don't think we can say more than that
0: Um, I Can't any thought because I wanted I wanted to mention something as you mentioned the Civil War <clears throat> uh, For starters, the Civil War is basically propagated on the fact that Draconus took the hand of Mother Dark in marriage Not
1: That's in it. marriage not in marriage. Okay, not even
0: in ma- not even in marriage. That's the thing. If it not was e- marriage, not even in marriage. That would have
1: been a di- yeah, if it was marriage, that would have been a different thing. It's not marriage, but I don't know, I'll have to agree with Nif that Draconis is being a giga ch- gigachad chad here because seriously. <laughs> just,
0: and um yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, go on, go. On.
0: No, um you brought up the Vader and stuff so, and one of our friends keeps bringing up, you know, like the threat of the elanet and the Vader and as Athenides. And one thing that always stood out to me in Karkanamas, even when I was first reading, is all of this you know, the Vader, the Elaine, the chaos in their blood or whatever feels like a scapegoat. It feels like a way out. It feels like a way for the Taist to absolve themselves of the responsibility of their own downfall. And if there's one motherfucker that's not going to let that happen, it's Galan, right? Galan is going to. Bully them with it, like, no, all of this is your fault because you didn't listen, because you are idiots, because you are self serving pricks. Okay. <laughs> Which is why I have faith in uh, Steven Erickson not to, you know, pull any punches when Walking Shadow comes out. But even here, Draconis is building a small army. The Highborn are rallying against them, Ronald is rallying against them, and no one. No one is asking the people who are actually involved with in us. Nobody cares what Mother Dark thinks. Nobody cares what Rosander thinks. They're doing things in their name for their own reasons while professing that they're doing it for the good of the realm. It's not hypocrisy. It's stupidity.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think the whole book, we see so little of Mother Dark. It, it mm-hmm. is like that, right? Her voice is the least heard in this whole thing. Even Ursula, we sort of have an idea of where he stands with the whole thing. I mean, for the sake of the realm, he he is fine with the political marriage, and that's that. The, all that is set up. But Mother Dark, we really don't know. No, Ursula is not fine with it. Isn't that? Wouldn't he they, agree to marry? They talk like?
0: about this way later, but okay. he brings it up quite a few times. Like, did anyone ask me if I wanted hand marriage? No.
1: Yeah, nobody asks him. But if it it is to be done, he would do it, isn't it?
0: later yes in fall of light yes because big we'll get to that eventually but uh as it stands right now what your wants is redress for his soldiers because we get glimpses of this yeah. of the legion yeah, yeah being... that is
1: not very yeah. clearly yeah. a setup That what exactly are these uh, soldiers asking for
0: um they're like well uh what your would name justice but what others would name yeah justice, restitution yeah. and uh, redress and stuff and the original request was essentially to be recognized and maybe have like land rights or pensions or something that isn't disarm them and throw them to the streets for whomever i'm going to turn red again uh god damn it
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry um it's
1: fine. it adds to the scene yeah
0: yeah um but <clears throat> and this is one of the reasons why i actually quite enjoy your sander and why i give him a bit of a pass He's not wrong in what he says, because the legion, what became Yerisandr's legion, is essentially a legion born of lowborn, right? It's comprised of lowborn individuals that make up the regulars, while the Hust are the knights, they are the nobles, they are the elites, and by definition, because of their noble blood, they get extra benefits. Now, the contrast to this is that the Hust also are valiant soldiers. They are defenders of Kuralt Galate, and they are doing what they're doing, because the realm is gonna fall, not because they care one whit about what like what Andorist or like whatever his tool are are gonna to do tomorrow. The realm is was in danger, in genuine danger. But only one group of individuals got like actual redress and actual rights. And uh along comes Hunral, who is a noble and a drunk and a dipshit to oh, piggyback God. off your standard cool. success and then build up your standard success in order to Further his own goals. And if that isn't political commentary, I don't know what is.
1: Do you think Hanral actually uh, took a knife in an assassination attempt? Yeah. I think
0: think Gral believes that Yurisander is his ticket to greatness, and I think he believes in Yurisander's cause. I don't think he's being disingenuous. I think he is being genuine. I think he's using him to further his own goals until he's no longer useful, at which point, yeah, who knows? Fall of Light happens.
1: God. Yeah, um, so, so it's basically a completely a society which is in flux right now, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not starting at peace and slowly building up to a war. We're not starting in wartime and, you know, winding down to peace time. It's not like that. It's, it's a very uneasy time, isn't it? There is peace, but <laughs> not really. And how many wars have these guys been fighting? There is the Forulkan which has been brought At least three. Then the Jalarkan. What's your third one?
0: No, it's these two, and then I think, um, crap.
1: Hi, okay. If you remember, we'll we'll put an overlay here somewhere. Okay. Well, so, it, it's these two—the
0: foregon and the dragon would... kind of one, at least—and a few other people.
1: Yeah, and it's been going on for quite a while, isn't it? All these wars. Mm-hmm. And it, it was always very odd to me because uh, these guys, comprising of the low bonds, so Blackonus is sort of in between. He's neither accepted by them. He's neither not accepted by the nobles. So he's an outsider to both sides of the faction.
0: Isn't I, that how I should note that, that he, he may profess that he is, right? And he is. But he is also part of a greater house. He has immense resources at his disposal. He has a small mm-hmm. army at his disposal. It doesn't compare,
1: I think. But why do people oppose his, uh, you know, his fling with Mother Dark? Why do people oppose it, The noble wants and all that?
0: There is like this notion of balance of power, and Draconis shattered that, both in this, like in the mundane terms and the magical terms. We'll get mm-hmm. to that later. It, the book deals with this a lot, and that Draconis is seeking to it. A...
1: People are opposing him.
0: Uh, I mean, okay. What I'm trying to say is, Draconis essentially shattered a balance. A balance that existed in Curlew Gallion for years, um, of not no one house amassing too much power, no one house is lord amassing too much power, there's like this untold um, gentleman's agreement so to speak. Uh, Draconus for one, is raising a small army for two, he is an adopted son of house dragons which again, incidentally bears his name but you know uh, he is concert Mother Dark and he basically did this behind the back of everyone else without bothering with diplomacy because he loves Mother Dark and he doesn't have time for this shit but also a big part of why Fortune of Darkness actually happens is because Draconis empowered Mother Dark to begin her journey to begin with, and then Tris comes along and fucks everything up because Draconis shattered the balance there as well. So this book's events take place because Draconis trashed a balance that was pre-existing. In short, Draconis broke the status quo and is being persecuted for it. So okay. there is a way of, you know, oh, how dare he, why would he do this? Because, you know... Um so many people are going to die, but also should he kneel before tradition? Is tradition an altar f- upon which blood is to be shed in perpetuity and an because people are too scared to tackle it or like bother with it? We saw hostages, we saw the deniers, we saw like dog runners, we saw prejudice against the border swords. Are all of these things good and sacred because they were like that since our forefathers' time and we should keep them because of it? No, and okay, yeah, Draconus is a Zathani, but we see this theme through that as well as well, right.
1: That is, there's also this uh, idea that all the marriages we see so far, they're all like arranged marriages, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And how exactly does this happen? Like, or, like, how exactly did people start deciding that Urisander is going to marry Mother Dark? It's just, you know, Hunral spread a few rumors and then everyone decides that these two are getting married. Isn't that how, is, it, is that how it happens? Yeah? <laughs> Pretty much. What, yeah. And uh, about all these Anderist and Inistia and all those... These are just arranged by random people. Yeah. And so <laughs> so much of the conflict should be resolved if, you know, people just chose who they marry. <laughs> we wouldn't have this novel at all, yeah. But that's, that's very interesting <clears throat> because, I don't know, for me personally, because arranged marriages and all are such a huge thing here. So it's fun to read, you know, politically arranged marriages and people not being... And this comes up, right? Like... We see spinach next week and all that. So again and again, we see arranged marriages coming in the way of uh, <laughs> people trying to find their partners. So it's it's very interesting.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, it is obviously for political gain, right?
1: <clears throat> but it's even what? then,
0: Sorry? it's obviously for political no. gain. Yeah, it's because, yeah. you know, it's politics. We need to unite these two houses. We need to have an alliance. What better way to seal an alliance too, but an arranged marriage. Cool. Yeah. Neat. Um, but... As we mentioned, like krill and the notion of ownership, and this with arranged marriages and the aforementioned prejudice against other things, and like the relentless extinction of and the hunting of like beasts and like lumber and the natural resources of Krillgallian, these are not like necessarily good things that should be upheld in perpetuity. But no one seems to be willing to challenge the status quo, and there's also very few characters that actively. Take note of the status quo. One of them is obviously Draconis, because he's and I, know, so he steps kind of outside everything. The other is obviously Galan, who is highlighting the status quo and then trying to, you know, poke holes in it. And then who? B&D? Renar? No. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll
1: just take your word for it, I don't know.
0: Anomander and Caldon when they fuck off to the wilds?
1: Oh, there is well, still it's... that line waiting. Yeah, yeah
0: who else is there I don't know just how fucked that situation is
1: yeah okay do you want to talk about people's ages here how old is everyone I don't know is 19 really 19 yeah (laughs) so okay so that means Celestia is 19 yeah and how old do you think Anderist is and how old does it make Anamander and how old does it make Hish it makes no sense to me either they're all marrying like with huge age gaps or I don't know 19 is not our 19 I don't know.
0: No? I, I mean, I don't think there's a huge age gap between Andres and Anastasia.
1: Okay, start calculating.
0: We're not giving an age yet. for Andres. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I don't know. Like, what, what, what do you think? Five years is a good age gap. Like, Andres must be in mid-20s or so. And <coughs> Anastasia could not be like more than 10 years older than him. Right? Is that all? Is that all their ages are? But it seems like they're, they've been around, they've been fighting wars for so long and all that. It doesn't track, if you ask me. No?
0: I'll agree with I you. Know. We, I, I, yeah, we're not we given ages me. on purpose, so we don't know. Maybe.
1: But we are given a few ages. Aratan is 17 years. Who cares? It, it it makes no sense when you don't know the ages of anyone else.
0: Yeah, and uh, the founder of House owns like 500 plus, and then died inexplicably 10 years ago.
1: Suddenly, she died suddenly Brandably. 10 years back.
0: Yeah, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, you can see, like, the, there's, despite being in Midias Res, there's these subtle hints about the past and how things have changed, and um basically, like, two chapters in, nothing tracks with the Book of the Fallen. Absolutely nothing. Nothing.
1: Zero. <laughs> okay, yeah, there's only one thing. and Brood, and Rake have known each other for a long time. Yeah, that's that's confirmed. They know each other for a long time. And Kadaspela is a painter. He's still a painter here. He's not doing... <laughs> something
0: else. Yeah, yeah. Dasmala's um, story, is, I think, is the only one that's like, meant to mesh, because
1: yeah.
0: that punctuates the tragedy of what happens to him. So okay. He is written purposefully so that he is a tragic character, because we kind of know what happens in the Book of the Fallen, right? He, he mumbles a lot, he claims that like Rake did something to his sister, and then he'll kill him for it, and then he'll paint a god to do it, and he does, and etc. So if that story diverges from Katasmala's fate in Tall the Hounds, it's a bit like wasted potential. So I think it's the one story where it's kind of meant to mesh because it's already tragic enough to work. So but Rake Rake Galan's not gonna tell, give him like a good backstory. You know, say, like, Oh yeah, he's he's a great guy, great individual. No, he's there.
1: He's he's an throughout. He's just a hot-headed... Just he, I wouldn't say he's ass. an ass.
0: I wouldn't say he's an ass. He's definitely capable. He's smart. He's,
1: um... No, I'm not calling him dumb. I'm calling him, mm. you know, hot-headed. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, the Baruch Khan definitely was hot-headed. The rest of it wasn't. So far, at least, the first two chapters, the first chapter where he appears, uh, he was decently
1: composed. Was he? Asking for blood woe and, you know demanding it. I will have his role on it. You were the one that said it was tactical, not me! It was tactical, but he's still, you know, he has so much attitude pouring out of him. It's it's amazing because in Book of the Fallen, he's this measured, calm, quiet leader of everyone. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and here's this young, angry guy who is... He's angst incarnate. Oh God, maybe. <laughs> oh, but uh, silkus yeah. stood out to me so much. silkus he's I don't know. I just like him so much more here. No, he's such a fun, fun type of guy. So.
0: Silgas gets a lot more depth here, which is interesting because in the book of the Fallen, there's a lot of myths surrounding Silgas, and basically none of them track.
1: Winged he gets grief. a very
0: shit rep. He gets no, like we were he's like why
1: he's yeah? called the Winged Grief and all. We, we oh, don't that know. too. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. but. In the Book of the Fallen, especially, he has, like, a lot of, like, bad rap. He's, like, draconic. He's... He thinks in millennia, not, like, minutes. He, he doesn't care. He's, like, going to murder anybody. And he's just like, okay, I'm going to go through the mountains. I'm going to confront this guy. And then I'm going to tell his god to fuck off. And if he doesn't, I'm going to go apeshit. Um, here, he is very much... Trying to mediate, right? Because... Anamander is trying to keep the three of them together, because civil war is coming, right? But due to the effect of what happens later, you know, Triss shows up, Anamander gets turned black. He's the first of them all to get, you know, become Andy. Uh, Silcas doesn't throughout the books, through Garconis, so he doesn't. Ever. And um, when Sintara gets sanctified, right, and then becomes Alabaster White, there is this sort of tension which uh, Nif underlined, right, of he is white as fuck, albinism or otherwise, and not even the yeah. gift of Mother Dark can change that. And there is a line full of light that Anamander doesn't trust Silkas, which here isn't the case. Okay, like here, they're very close, very, you know, beloved brothers. They fought together. But later, as the story progresses, Silcas has to, like, play mediator between Anamander and Anderust, and then Draconus and everyone else. <laughs> Silgas cool. is thrust into a very shit situation, as his, one of his brothers are grieving... And the other is off with his boyfriend trying to seek vengeance for said brother who's grieving. Yeah. So he gets a lot more depth, but he's also in a very crap situation, to put it bluntly. Yeah. So Silcast so is another character I want to look after, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: Especially when Quisen comes around. Dragonus yeah. okay. Abrail. Quisen Faro. <laughs> and and yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's so, so many theories to go through, isn't it? That's we keep reading. This like hardly the <coughs> yeah yeah you sorry
0: yeah i was gonna bring up uh do you want to talk about Arathan? Ar- 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 Arathan, Arathan. how are Arathen, you saying right?
1: Arathan. yeah i,
0: I don't know the first the syllable yeah
1: no yes it can't. i don't know it can't it doesn't make sense it doesn't matter because there is so much history about the falari and all that to me you know stop making sense I don't know. It's Arathan now. Arathan, son of Draconus, unacknowledged so far. Mm-hmm. So there isn't much about him here, other than his, you know, the sense of huge untapped powers and fearlessness and all that. But quite smart. He can like talk back to Sagander without, you know, actually offending the guy. He 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 does a he does a nice oh, he job. He definitely of him. No no He's not like offensive.
0: Yeah, but not like see, outright. It's... He's not like being yeah. confrontational. He's just uh-huh. too competent for like him. because Sagander wants to mold him, right? Uh, yeah. Arthur's is thinking. He's doubting.
1: Yeah. It's fun. It's fun to see these two. And oh, there's more of that coming. I think. Mean... Yeah.
0: Especially when. Like <laughs> right.
1: uh, and yeah. when that happens,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of things happen to Arthur. <laughs> Especially his destination, which is uh, who?
1: Mm-hmm. The. Where is um? Yeah, Where is that? The lot of hate. Did you know uh, who was a lot of Hate when you read Forge of Darkness? Yeah. yeah. You knew? Oh, because it's I did London. not read Yeah, it is, but I did not read Blood and Blood before Forge of Darkness, so yeah, I knew right? who so it was. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. And that reveal was a huge thing for me. I was like, oh my god, is this him? Because I think the next chapter 3, I think, deals with a lot more about Lord of Hate. Shall we just the giant, keep the reveal yeah, yeah. for that one? Yeah? Sure,
0: yeah. I mean, anyone who read this probably knows who we're talking about, but if you don't
1: Yeah, this we'll is keep you in the dark world. for longer. <laughs> and uh, do you have anything more to add about Aratan?
0: His name, actually. Um so he brings it up Something himself, right, that, that um Draconis named his three sisters, envy spite and malice, and name shouldn't be curses. Yeah. And um so I don't have any theories, which is funny because it's me. But I don't have any theories about who Draconis' um Draconis's mistress with whom he sired uh Arathon is. It's probably an Azathani. Probably.
1: Probably. Probably.
0: probably. So Arathon's name means walk on water. But he did and
1: he fell through it.
0: Yeah. So. And then he got Azathani powers, right? That's when his powers manifested and bloomed and then envy and spite tried to do like the that? same with malice. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole plot line. Oh.
1: And then okay, Envy okay. and
0: Spite try and kill Malice to get the same thing to happen.
1: Oh shit. Oh that was a yeah. disgusting. It's, it's, it's yeah. great.
0: Yeah, yeah, It's it's quite something. And then Draconus and uh Olareth will have a scene together where Draconus tells Olar the name of Anathan's mother and she starts laughing. And I have no fucking idea who that is. Yeah. it's, it's, it's Steve taunting us in the face, like, I know, but I'm not gonna tell you who it is. Yeah. So the other thing is none of um Arathon's siblings share any ticed fe- any ticed features which is interesting because if Drakonus was needed ticed, uh he supposedly sired Envy in spite at least with Shodathalor who is a teenager in this book so that's going to be extra weird yeah. um but <laughs> clearly not the
1: whole that the, the things you...
0: that don't want to track yeah there's probably a few other things I could talk about, you know. But I don't want to get too deep into Eurosander right now because I don't remember enough and like I'll spend literally all of all of light talking about it. So uh yeah. <laughs> not spell you the deeds <laughs> right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, Silcas, Curisander, Renar, um
1: Isn't Renar quite way away before she steps on Yes. Yeah.
0: And she doesn't even become relevant to all of light, but you know. Yeah. So Cashir Sandra Renar and P and D obviously and um I don't know. Arathon, maybe, I guess? Are going to be characters I pay extra attention to this read.
1: Okay. I think you and should still
0: tell... I didn't mention Korea. I for Cocoria. Who
1: you're not going to pay attention to. Anamander. I do not care. I'm sorry. Fine.
0: It's not it's not I, uh-huh. I don't care. I like okay, I'm gonna explain my thought process here. I elected on this read to focus much more on the literary aspects of Karkanas rather than it functioning as a malazan book right so how what it means for the lore and what it means for the world no i just want to read Kerkanos for Kerkanos. i want to see the poetic voice underneath it i want to see why these characters act the way they do and how galan tackles them and what they think and what they do and why because i did not do any of that in my first read so i just don't know you ask me why like oh hanako like why Lassurug went over to Hoots camp? I have no clue. I don't know. I don't remember.
1: No, that's so, that's a good point because, at least for me, because we are reading this so slowly, it's like it's it completely stands alone. I'm not really trying to mm-hmm. think what happens in Book of the Fallen or that rake is some someone else. This rake <laughs> is completely someone else, and you know, I mean, it, it,
0: the events are completely different too. Right? Like they don't even track the same way. So
1: yeah. No, so it, it is meant to be read like that. It is meant to be read as a standalone, isn't it? Even though it's a prequel and all that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That That's the way I see it. Because so it it, it is so deliberately <laughs> not correlating with anything we yeah, know. It spits
0: in your so face for trying of, if like, to like, we had to smash, yeah.
1: Yeah, what's the point of calling it a prequel? You know, it's not, it's just a different series. Uh, there's a couple of quotes, can I share, which I really mm-hmm. liked. It is one way Silka says that you know from the rain when they go back to their house, and they emerge they like children arrive. of chaos. Yeah. So these are all hints, I think, with uh, yeah Nif's theory well, that they already carry the blood of lady. I don't think it's
0: it's not mm.
1: it's, it's not a theory. I I've accepted it. I think it's they're all. It kind of
0: hinges on whether or not Kroll is lying, but we'll get to that when we get there.
1: Yeah, but right. <clears throat> uh, do you have any? No.
0: Uh all of Kadaspala's dialogue here is <laughs> having especially the bit about laws being oppression. Like that like, as I said, if you excuse the fact that Kadaspala is like incestuous and borderline psychopathic, he is extremely interesting to read about because he's an artist. Right? He's not a politician, he's not someone who's interested in this kind of thing. But his lens of poetry through which he views the not poetry, uh, art in general, who through which he views the world is wow. It it emanates that, you know, from Steve because Steve is, like, this kind of individual. But, I don't know. It gets brought up later with Karaspala and how he views, like, love and how he views the world through painting and why, like... But here, he's the most progressive diced we've ever seen. And that says a it's lot only, because it's only, Yeah. <laughs> uh Other than that...
1: Uh, I think I'm, Ro pointed yeah. out a really mm-hmm. nice... Uh... The way that Urusandr was described in the initial scene. His one side bathed in candle- candlelight. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, And His the other, other in, in shadows. The darkness. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, that is pretty good. Something I wouldn't have noticed unless he had pointed out and unless we were reading this slowly. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. <clears> and uh, the other one which, uh, was the Raskin quote which you wanted out about, you know, who among all of these fools has the common honesty, has the honesty to say, do I not deserve it? Will I not take it? And stuff. Which yeah. was, yeah. again, really cool, only to be later punctuated by Raskin going, well, I'm just a gate sergeant. I'm not supposed to be thinking about this stuff. I'm just an idiot. This These I'm people not, know better I'm
1: than I do. Yeah. But then he Which... he's he accepted <laughs> it, right? Like, somebody else has this power over me, and that's fine. I don't have the resources to change it, so <laughs> stop it.
0: <laughs> See? And um, yeah. mm-hmm. but, like, for as much as I don't understand it. The analogy with the rose for Heshtola is really interesting. Like It's very, the imagery is very beautiful.
1: I think it follows the uh, NSDIA wedding dress scene, which is red vermilion or scarlet red or something. And she's thinking about this, you know, starts thinking about a rose. So I don't know, that's the way I saw that maybe because she has given away so much of herself to all these lovers. And she's like, I don't know, the, the way Hish is is at least... Willingly gets hurt each time. <laughs> right. You, you can disagree. But that's the way she is. And probably, you know, she's given away so much of herself to all these various lovers. And there's nothing left behind. And there's just a withered rose. And no idea of a marriage or anything for her.
0: This is going she's to be
1: Chalice 2.0. What? Sorry? What? This is going 2, to be 2, Chalice 2.0. Chalice? No, I was thinking Skilara, actually. Because of all the cells. be.
0: Loathing yeah, himself. yeah, yeah. There's a lot
1: of that. Oh, nobody loves me. And the, loves we've me.
0: not even got oh, to Sandalath yet. God damn!
1: <laughs> oh, I'm I, I'm so happy I'm not doing that. <laughs> but it's it. She deserves pity, and I don't know. It's it's so hard. It's really hard. like
0: We'll get to so, that.
1: So, uh, yeah. So that was about Hish. Anything more you wanted to add? Oh and,
0: God! Uh there is. Hang on, let me find it. Because I highlighted the summary and then I didn't bring it up during the summary. Because I'm dumb. <laughs> but, hang on.
1: Go on.
0: There is a, the thing- a quote about um, how the Thais were hunters. Mm-hmm. And... Hang on.
1: We, we can't leave empty air like this.
0: That's right. So, essentially, uh, Caledon and, Sp- and Sparrow have this uh, conversation about how they were the Thais were hunters once but no more.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then... And uh, Camden says, "Then let us hope that the tides do not turn to the final prey left to them.
1: Which is and what manner of creature
0: might that be? Yeah. Why each other, of course.
1: Which is already it's, happening, it's so isn't it?
0: Blunt, but so like veiled at the same time. Yeah. Like he's all, obviously the only you don't kill each other because that'd be bad. But also, it's already happening. You're already in deep shit. So like." I warn you, indirectly, but no one's listening, Galan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, stop bringing up Galan. Yeah.
0: Do you have any quotes (laughs) you want to highlight?
1: Uh, I I just did. Do you have more? I might have more. Obviously, I like the Ferran ring line, necessity and necessity is always a lie.
0: What in the name uh... of all the gods above and below are you doing here? We're gonna get to
1: that. That's full of light,
0: chapter one about necessity. When Galan thinks on necessity, and then he spends like no. three paragraphs on you. Please go find a place somewhere and just think about necessity.
1: Oh, the the but, yeah. whole the violence thing. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah.
0: We're gonna get to that.
1: Right. Okay. So, so few, one thing. Uh, when Feren, I keep thinking Fenner. I, yeah, I, might I have a this problem thing.
0: too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so this this lady. She's described as having a tilt to her eyes which hints of blood from somewhere east. And you told me the answer. <laughs> what is in the east? East of Blackwood?
0: It's not on the map. Hidko-Kant. The only thing on the map, but east of... Yeah, so the only thing east of the it's Barisal- of Blackwood is nothing. So yeah. I'm going to assume because of they'll people in fall of light that she is Ghanese. Or proto-Ghanese.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, but everywhere the ties are described as having like... T- Slightly tilted eyes or something, isn't it? Everywhere, I thought. So they're all di- they're all product right? Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Oh yeah, and uh, we talked about uh, in the prologue, we were the prelude. We were talking about people who have the entire world fit into neat boxes, and they make lists and all that. We have a very nice example in Sagander who who thinks to himself, you know, that the ground is solid beneath him. There is no cracking ice. Only when he is insecure and unsure of himself, he can hear the cracking ice. All other times, so it's like solid ground. So He knows the world. There are no mysteries. Nothing that he can't find out. That's the type of conviction he has, isn't it? Oh, Sagander is being set up as such, a, I, such an I asshole. I have a lot here.
0: to say about Sagander. And basically, nothing. none of it is good. So...
1: Yeah. Yeah, but it's coming, it's coming. He's he's going to have his moment. He has
0: and... yeah, eventually he has some very interesting dialogue about like the nature of being maimed and crippled and it resonates fairly interestingly with the Book of the Fallen, but in a bad way. Like unlike the Book of the Fallen where it's like assaulted. Here he's just a manipulative dick. So
1: <laughs> Oh, and one more point I wanted to bring up because we're talking about ages. And these guys are long lived and, and all that. And what is the problem with wrinkles? <laughs> Even I, I don't know. It's it's coming soon. Uh, but uh, Tulas Kaka Manra Tulas. He's uh, everyone hates him because this guy, poor guy, he fought all these wars and starved, and he does. He has wrinkles now, and <laughs> people just write him off. Same thing with the Clovis. Clovis, I was here. Yeah. Office, I was here. He's just um... called Clovis because. Yeah.
0: So I have a joke answer and an actual answer. So okay. the joke answer is the tice are all basically commercials for beauty products, so we cannot have oh, wrinkles. They yeah. have uh, yeah. and, excellent skincare.
1: And the actual care, answer yeah?
0: is one of the um one of uh monologues in Knife later where he essentially mm-hmm. says that uh when people look upon old soldiers, you know, wrinkles because they starved and whatnot. They are reminded of, like, their sense of duty and whatnot, and that is not a good feeling, and so they resent them. So, you know, if you discount the fact that he's, like, Lorik's grandpa, he's a very cool guy.
1: There's nothing wrong with Lorik, come on. Lorik... Uh-huh. I didn't say anything I
0: mean, bad about Lorik. nifted. I'm just yeah, saying. but
1: you're repeating it. You're repeating it.
0: Okay, Lorik is a bit of a virtue signaling dipshit as well. You know, He's a holier-than-thou... I,
1: you know what? You know bitch. what? I... I was the one who brought up that he's virtue signaling. I am the one who's spreading that but even I think there is nothing so obnoxious about Lorik that you would point him and say that Yurisandr is a bad game because he's okay, Lorik. I wouldn't father. say
0: that. I don't know why Nif says that. I wouldn't say that but, you
1: know. Yeah, yeah, right? So we've had some interesting characters. We've had minor plot points set up. We just just basically had minor character introductions. Yeah. yeah. Hardly, nothing really happened. Everyone is just getting ready to do stuff. So, do you want to close up? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> All right. So,
0: this has been Smiley's podcast on uh, Forge of Darkness, Chapter 1 and 2, full spoilers. We hope you join us next week. Ideally, now, yeah, we should note here there is no dedicated schedule. Ideally, we'll stick to weekly, but if we don't, you'll be updated on our Twitter. We'll let you know. So, in any case, we hope you stuck. We stuck around until now. If you haven't checked out our other episode for whatever reason, what are you doing here? Please go watch the summary. Thank you. Uh, and um, we hope to you see you if next I week. Being
1: perfectly honest, I wouldn't watch the summaries either if okay, I were yeah, I, I probably
0: now. wouldn't either. But you know, <laughs> we need the exposure.
1: Hypocrite. All right. Yeah. So thank you so, so much for you. listening. Thanks, Lee. Thanks hey, for Lee taking Mara. the time. Good night. Good night.